Well, good morning, New Life. That was an awesome video. I want to meet that guitarist. I don't know if she's here. How many of you worked in VBS this past week? Let's give these people a, a round of appreciation. That was a lot of work. If you're sitting next to them, give them a hug and get ready to nudge them in case they fall asleep during my sermon because they're worn out. So God bless you. It sounded like it looked like a lot of fun, you know, a lot of, a lot of excitement. Uh, I haven't been here for a while, and I want to offer this awkward disclaimer before I begin. I've been struggling with unexpected nosebleeds. I've never had this problem before, but it's, I feel like 11 off of Stranger Things. <laughs> I thought that would go over most of your heads. If you're not a Netflix binge watcher, you don't know what Stranger Things is, but I don't have the superpowers, but I can promise you that if this happens today, I've just got to go sit down, okay? So you just go home. It'd be an awkward moment, <laughs> but just... You, you know, it's a win-win. They're like, well, we got out of church early today, and uh, you'll have to ask Joe if you get any money back. I don't know how that would work, but anyway, I just, I just felt I might want to let, please just say a prayer, though, if you would. I appreciate those little prayers that are, that are thrown up to God, and uh, I have something God's put on my heart to share with you, so I hope I get through this message. I really believe the Holy Spirit has something that he wants me to share with you. Now, a little background, Joe and I and his, Joe's dad have been intertwined in ministry and in life for years. We're not related, but uh, we've been intertwined, and I just love Joe and Kirsten to death. They're just like kids to me, and I've had a good chance to visit with them. My kids are all moving to this area. So I'll be here probably more often, just sitting out there like you all are. But right now, I live in Stone County, Missouri, which is very close to Branson. Now, if you know anything about that area, it, it's not like Northwest Arkansas. You all are pretty sophisticated over here, okay? Uh, we do have television and electricity, but we have to use the rabbit ears to get the news, Okay. And if the wind's going out of the wrong direction, we, some of you are like, kids are like, rabbit ears? What's he talking about? But if the wind's out of the wrong direction, we don't get, we may get a Springfield station or two, but we're a little remote over there. In fact, there's some little odd things in Stone County. Uh, I had a little uh, run-in, I won't go into the whole story, but with a police officer, and his, his last name was Outhouse. And I was laughing like it was a joke because I'd been pranked, and he goes, it's not a joke. That's my name. Spelled exactly the way it sounds. There's a whole family of outhouses in Stone County. I'm not making it up. I've got a friend that has a barbecue store, a uh, restaurant. And the other day, a guy comes into the barbecue restaurant. Again, too strange to make up. He gets a couple of squirts out of the barbecue sauce in his hand, and he puts it on like cologne. I'm like, who are you trying to attract with that? So bizarre things happen in our county. So bizarre. Now, it's been a couple of years since I've been with you. I didn't realize, but I was looking back, and I was like, it's been two years since I've been with you guys. But uh, it, some really crazy things happened in our county over the last two years. Now, I told you, you're a little isolated from the news. So I don't know if this made news over here or not, but we had this virus swept through our county. 
I mean, this thing was vicious. We, I mean, we had to keep our distance from each other. We had to be stuck at home with each other for a while. You couldn't even get in the Walmarts for a while. They're counting heads at the Walmarts. It was a terrible, awful virus. I'm sure glad you guys haven't had any problems with it over here. They called it a pandemic, which I think just means it's pretty serious. Like, I don't know, but anybody hear the news of what happened in our county? Oh, wait a minute. A lot of things have happened in the past couple of years, haven't they? Wow, it's been challenging. I was, I was talking to Joe. I said, how was it for you preaching to a completely empty building? He goes, ah, it's one of the hardest things I've done. I said, well, I've preached to semi-empty buildings and where nobody was listening. That's not, that's not unusual. But it was a very, very difficult, challenging season for everyone. And of course, a lot of people... Uh, we had it, I had it, a lot of people, and a lot of people lost loved ones through this. Last couple of years have been interesting, amen? I'm not sure we want to go through it again. We got a new president. I'm just going to end that with a period right there. That's all I'm going to say about that. Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. We got a new president. So a lot of things have happened. The Chiefs in the last two years won the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. And lost the Super Bowl the next year. So I didn't have to go there, did I? And some pastors are even so, I mean, they're so out there that they like, I mean, wear like wigs and stuff from the pulpit. I would never do anything like that. Patrick Mahomes jerseys and things. I don't know. It's a little crazy. You, ever, you remember the wide world of sports, <clears throat> the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat? That's exactly what we had one year to the next. But there's always next year, right? A lot of things have happened. For me personally, I, I got back in the gym and I got back out because I decided not to punish my legs for something my mouth had done. And, <clears throat> and I decided to, I needed some things to kind of, you know, mix it up. I, I went skydiving for my, for my 60th birthday. So I decided I'm going to get in. I got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now that's a workout. And I'm also scuba diving. And got into that. And I'm also uh, mountain biking. In fact, there's some great trails around here. Mountain biking. I mean, those are things I'm planning to do. They're on my bucket list, I guess, I should say, to be clear. I mean, I mean, my kids would love it if I was into that. And I just said that to impress you, to make you think I'm cool, which I'm not. But I can't grow a big gnarly beard like somebody. So I had to try to impress you with other things. Those of you, who, who has been here more than like before two years? How many of you have been here since I preached? Okay, so you're probably going, I remember this guy. I, I, mean, I mean, he's the guy with all the issues. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, I have a master's degree in messing up and a PhD in pain. And <clears throat> I've been on a journey just like you. Sometimes we don't realize, but I still am day by day on that journey. Let me take you back, oh, about 10 years ago, Easter 2011. It was significant because it was the first Sunday I'd ever gone to church by myself. The reason I went to church by myself is because I was a pastor. I was a big deal. I was a big deal in my own eyes. <laughs> I was at a big church, the fastest growing county in America, the biggest church, Loudoun County, Virginia, the Washington, D.C. area. I was somebody. I was impressed by myself, okay? And uh, it was that Easter that the bottom completely fell out of my life. 
I had done chapels for NFL teams. I had been to the Capitol. I've done, I was a pretty big deal in my own eyes. And then the bottom fell out, Easter 2011, after the bottom falls out. And oh, by the way, if you go through a separation as a pastor, you don't just lose your marriage. You don't just lose your family. You don't just lose your home. You lose your job. So I was completely down. I was completely broke. I was completely beside myself. I hit bottom. Where do I go to church? There are people who know me and I didn't want to see anybody I knew. I don't know if you can relate to that, but I decided I would go to the New Samaritan Baptist Church. A friend of mine preached there inside the Beltway, New Samaritan Baptist Church. Bishop Michael Kelsey preached there. And Michael was a friend of mine, so I decided I'd visit that church by myself. I walked in. I wanted to just blend in. And I walked into New Samaritan Baptist Church. I had no idea, at least I suspected it might be, but it was a completely 100% black church. I was the only white person on Easter Sunday in that service. And I mean, this is a very formal, official black church. I loved it. it the, the ushers wear white gloves. I walked in and the usher caught me. The greeter caught me and said, sir, what? it's good to have you. You look, like you. you look like a new face. I'm like, gee, how did you figure that out? He says, uh, what's your name? I said, it's, it's Kent. He said, well, Kenton, come over here a minute. I'm going to introduce you to some people. I said, no, it's just Kent. Hey, come over here. Hey, hey, everybody, this is Kenton. This is his first Sunday here. It's like, it's just Kent, but Kenton does sound cooler. I got to admit to that. Kenton it is. So anyway, I'm sitting in this church service, trying to blend in, feeling incredibly awkward, broken, absolutely broken. And the pastor comes to the end of his sermon and he says, a line I will never forget. Is there anyone here ready for a change? Now I'm sitting there going, the bottom just fell out of my life. Are you kidding? Yeah, I'm ready for a change. Turn to your neighbor and ask, are you ready for a change? And a little sweet lady sitting next to me turns and says, sweetie, are you ready for a change? Now, it's probably because there were tears running down my cheeks. I don't know for sure that she got a clue. As altar call comes around, she says, I think you should go forward and let our pastor pray for you. Now, my immediate response was going to be, wait a minute, I am a pastor. I don't need prayer. But see, I was hurting, but I wasn't truly broken yet. So my pride got the best of me. And I'll tell you, I've never been so relieved when an altar call was over as I was that Sunday. Are you ready for a change? Change always happens, doesn't it? If you'd ask me on that Sunday, how do you feel about yourself? I would say really, really bad. Because, and I would want you to feel sorry for me because I've lost it all and I have nothing to live for. Those two words we normally say all or nothing, right? But I want to bring a message today. I'm going to call all and nothing. And it's from the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. And I'm going to begin reading in verses one and two. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Can I get a witness? That is a, that is a, that is a mouthful right there. That's an encouragement. There's no more condemnation. Listen, understand this. 
I, I just did a, a series on the Holy Spirit. The disciples had no idea there was a trinity. Okay, all they knew was, was about God. The concept of the Holy Spirit had not come to them yet. All they knew was living under the law. And so Paul is introducing them to a new concept. You are no longer living under the law. That's from Acts backward is all life under the law. You are now living in the Spirit. So in the Spirit, under the law, there's always condemnation. Under the Spirit, there is therefore now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's about a relationship because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You've probably heard the name Corrie Ten Boom. She's a survivor of a concentration camp in World War II. Corrie Ten Boom said, if, if you look at the world around you, you will be distressed. Amen? I mean, you watch the news, you look at the situation, everything going on in our country. If you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within you, you will be depressed. You can't solve your own problems. But if you, if you look to Jesus, you will be at rest. And Romans, the first chapters of Romans can be broken down very easily into that. Romans chapters one through six talk about the wrath of God coming on this world. The wrath of God, it, you are distressed. You, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. Romans chapter seven, 35 times in 10 verses, a personal, Paul uses a personal pronoun because he's describing us, me, internally looking internally to solve my problem, trying to keep the law. And he goes, I've tried to do it and I can't. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't. And what a wretched, he ends chapter seven, what a wretched man I am. Then chapter eight is looking to Jesus to be at rest. And Romans Romans is to me, the, one of the deepest theological books in Romans chapter eight is the pinnacle. It's like the crown jewel of, of, the, of the entire book, Romans eight. And somebody described Romans eight as a soft pillow for a tired heart. I love it. Comfort, reassurance that God is working in all things and nothing can separate you from his love. That's the message. Romans 8, 28, and we know. There's a lot of things in this world I'm not sure about. There's a lot of things I have a lot of uncertainty about. There's a lot of confusion in the world today. There are some things that I know. And Paul says, this thing I know, that in all things, three little letters, letters one little word with huge implications. I know that in all things, God works for the good. He's a good God. He's on your side. And he's working right now in each situation of your life. He's working for the good in all things. For the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. I can see the little thought bubbles coming up over your head right now. You don't know the thing I'm going through, Pastor. You have no idea what I'm going through. 
Well, I'm here to tell you when the Bible says all things, it means all things. It means big things and little things. It means hard things and easy things. It means good things and bad things. It means my thing. It means your thing. It means the thing you're going through right now that you don't understand and you can't believe that God would let you go through this thing. You can't name a thing that doesn't fit under the category of all. Come on now. I know what you're thinking. Well, what about divorce? Yes, even divorce. What about cancer? Yes, cancer. What about getting fired or losing your job? I've been there. Yes, it's about that too. What about depression? I've experienced that. Yes. What about abuse? Are you telling me, really telling me that in all these things, God is working? God is not wringing his hands. God has not forgotten you. God sees it. He knows and he is at work. What about a broken marriage? What about a rebellious kid? In all these things. Now you can take it up with him if you want, if you don't think that your thing fits under all things. What about addiction? Yep. What about COVID? Yes. Look how he's worked. The enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. We have more people engaged in our services now than we did before because they're watching a lot online. What about death? Yes. What about your sin? Yes. What about someone else's sin? Yes. Listen, all things, all things, God is not setting up watching He's working. Johnny Erickson Tata, maybe again another familiar name to you, woman who was paralyzed in a diving accident when she was a teenager, spent the rest of her life in a wheelchair, said something that I think is so profound and simple. God will sometimes allow what he hates. And a lot of the things I mentioned, he hates. He hates divorce. He hates abuse. God will sometimes allow what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And what's he trying to accomplish? Not making you happy or comfortable. He's conforming you to the image of his son. Do you think God works in little things as well as big things? I do. If you open your eyes, you see it. A few weeks ago, I was at a funeral visitation for a young woman who died rather unexpectedly, and her niece was there, and her niece was struggling. Her niece was just seven years old. That's hard for a child. It's first, the first time this child had ever experienced the loss, and, and her, her aunt is right there in the room, and I could just tell this little girl was struggling. She was not comfortable in this situation. And I didn't know the little girl, but I knelt down and I introduced myself and her name was Shiloh. And I said, Shiloh, I'm Kent. I'm sorry. I know your heart is heavy right now with the loss of your aunt. And she had a little tears in her eyes. A few minutes later, Shiloh comes running up to her mom and says, Mama, the ice cream man is out front. It's like, What? The mother didn't pay any attention. She was busy visiting with someone. I heard Shiloh. I said, I went to mom and said, would you mind if I bought Shiloh an ice cream? She goes, no, that'd be fine. So we go out and we go to the ice cream man and she picks out what a lot of little girls would pick out, the SpongeBob SquarePants ice cream. And she is as happy as she can be. And I'm telling you, that was a deal changer. That was a completely, her whole demeanor changed. Because of that, it's like God said, she right now, she's talking to the angels, I think she needs a SpongeBob SquarePants ice cream to help her heal her heart. So you may think this is crazy, but I went out, the ice cream guy said, this is an odd question, but it's Sunday. Do you normally stop in front of funeral homes with the ice cream truck? 
He goes, no, it's raining. And I did notice that. So I just stopped here to let the rain stop. Do you think there's a coincidence there? Do you think that I don't? I think God's like, okay, I, it's going to start raining. Ice cream truck's going to stop. The little girl's going to go out. She's going to get SpongeBob SquarePants. And she's going to know I love her. I'll tell you another story. My cousin's grandson, 11 years old, diagnosed with cancer. Here's a picture of Christian and his, his mom, Ashley. How do, you, how do you talk to an 11-year-old that they have a, a terminal illness? And yet this young man has been very brave through this. Uh, he understands what he's up against. And there was a, the doctors came to a point, they said, we've done all we can do. But there was an experimental treatment in Seattle, Washington, that Christian could have. But his cancer, the tumors weren't quite big enough for him to qualify for the treatment. So the family began praying that the cancer, the, the tumors would actually grow so he could qualify for the treatment. And while they're waiting for this, which by the way, he did, and he's got the treatment in Seattle and we're praying and believing that God's gonna leave him on this earth for a long time. But while they're waiting for this, the family took a trip to Florida. And this little 11 year old boy is playing on the beach. And as he's playing on the beach, he steps on a shell and he bends down and he picks up the shell and he looks at the shell and he brings it over to his mom and says, look, mom, look what's on the shell. I think we got a picture of it. On the shell is written Romans 8, 28. In all these things, God is working. Now think about this. God's in heaven going, we're gonna have to convince some guy to, or girl to bend over, pick up a shell and write Romans 8, 28 in it. And this guy, the Holy Spirit prompts him, like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I write and he throws it back down. And it's not just any beach, it's the beach this young man's going to. It's that shell, that beach, that boy that God said needs to know that I am working in all things. And folks, he loves you that much too. Things you can't see, things you don't understand, things you don't know. God is in heaven. He's not just watching. He's working in this thing you're going through. So what then shall we say in response to these things? What are you going to say? Huh? Which, how do you respond to this? If God is for us, he's for you. He's for you. Who can be against us? He did, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. There's that little word again. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Big things, little things, things you don't think that God can deal with. Things you don't, you're too embarrassed to ask for because it seems too small. God is saying, no, I can take care of SpongeBob ice cream. I can do seashells. I can do small. I can do big. There's nothing I don't care about when it comes to you. I got a good friend I stayed with down in Florida when I was going through my difficult times. He's like a brother to me. He said, here's the keys to my house. Here's the keys to my car. Eat any food you want out of the refrigerator. Make yourself at home, but do not under any circumstances go through any of the toll booths. I said, why? I mean, you know, I'm happy to pay it. He goes, that's not the point. It's wasting money. Don't go through the toll booths. Well, I got lost one day and I went through one of the toll booths. I had to tell him about it. He goes, I told you not to go through the toll booths. I said, I don't get this. I can stay in your house, drive your car, do everything else. 
He said, you're wasting money. Oh, now you sound like my dad, okay? But here's my point. God doesn't look at it like that. Oh, my friend's frugal. I appreciate that. But God says, okay, listen. If I gave you my son to die on a cross, is there really anything too big for you to ask for? Is there anything bigger than that? Paul's answer is no. He graciously gives us all things. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Then verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And I'm going to leave it hanging right there because I used to think that I was always on the edge of losing God's love. I used to think if I tried a little harder, worked a little more, if I memorized more verses, when I was, this wasn't just when I was young, and this is when I was a young pastor, and I used to delight in making people feel really bad about themselves. They would walk out and say, man, you really stepped on my toes today, and I'd say, good, I did my job. I made you feel really bad about yourself. In Romans chapters one through seven, that's what it's all about. But Romans eight, all of a sudden it turns a corner and we get a new set of glasses. We get a new worldview. We're not looking through the world anymore or ourselves anymore through the lenses of legalism. We are for the very first time seeing ourselves and other people and the world through the worldview or the lenses of love. When I was young, I dreamed of ordering Sea monkeys out of the back of a comic book. I don't know why. I never had the money or never took the time. I don't know. But the other thing I always wanted besides sea monkeys were these x-ray goggles. Yeah. Super spy. You can see through walls. This is like Superman stuff. So I ordered some recently. I mean, these things, what's really amazing about them is that they really do work. I mean, it's, it's the coolest thing right now. I can see through, ev- I can see through everything. Now, some of you are getting really uncomfortable right now. They always say, when you're speaking to a group of people, just picture them in their underwear. I'm not doing that. And please don't, some guy's going to jump up and want to take me on and fight me. I don't want to fight, okay? I'm messing with you. These don't work. But I'll sell them to you for like $7.95 or something. X-ray goggles. Uh, Obviously, it's a joke, but let me tell you something, folks. When you take off the glasses or the lenses of legalism and you put on the lenses of love, love, it changes everything. You know, you can tell by looking, I'm not young. And I don't want want to say I'm old because if you're older than me, you're going to think I'm making funny. I'm not. But are any of the rest of you at an age where you really enjoy your birds? You got your bird feeders going? Come on now, who's a bird? Bird watchers in the house. 
We're not ashamed of it. And I get so excited. I got them hanging out. We live on the lake and I got them hanging out on the deck and I'll sit there where I'm studying. And it's like, God's like, I got a little, I got to remind you that I'm still here in the little things. So when the hummingbird comes back, I'm like, baby, the hummingbirds are back. She comes running down like, oh my goodness. Do you realize they travel 3000 miles to come see you? It's like, welcome home. We're so glad we threw a little party. They got a Mexican siesta. They've been down south. And I had a painted bunting come up the other day, okay? I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was somebody's pet bird. It's all brilliant colors. This is in my house, right up next to my house. You see why I get excited? Because I see everything now. Birds, I see through these eyes of love. I wonder why they're colored. Because God loves me. He created red. He created yellow just for me. The sky is bluer. The, the grass is greener. I see the world through different eyes. I see you through different eyes. I don't see people as a problem or an interruption anymore. I see them as people created in the image of God. I see myself through different eyes. Because here's what's so important, folks. Hang on to this a minute. God sees you. He sees through everything. He sees you as you really are. And that's the only way you can have true intimacy, intimacy. God knows you. He knows you inside out. And here's what an old song says. The one who knows you best loves you most. When you know that, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you. And the way you see the world, it's just a beautiful world, a beautiful place and beautiful people. So it changes everything. So what can separate us from this love? Paul answers the question in verse 37. No, in all, there it is again, these things, we are more than conquerors. That, he, that Greek word can be translated hypernikes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a transliteration. Super conquerors through him who loved us. On Calvary, the enemy was not just defeated, he was destroyed. He wasn't just conquered, he was crushed. He wasn't just overcome, the enemy was obliterated for you on Calvary. And nothing can separate us, Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. The Bible is like the ocean, it's shallow enough for a child to play in, it's deep enough the deepest theologian will never fully understand it. Karl Barth was one of the most well-known theologians of our time. Karl Barth was on the cover of Time magazine in 1962. He was a Swiss-German theologian. Karl Barth was speaking one day, giving a lecture on theology in, at the Rockefeller Memorial Chapel at the University of Chicago, a beautiful Gothic cathedral. Karl Barth finishes his lecture, one of the deepest lectures students had ever set through. They're hanging on every word, trying to comprehend God through the theology of Karl Barth. And one student stands up when he's finished and he has a question. He says, Mr. Barth, is there any possibility you could summarize for us in one sentence all of your theological studies and writings? Karl Barth thinks for a moment, he says, I sure can. It's something I learned at my mother's knee. Jesus loves me. This I know. Or the Bible tells me so. The greatest theologian perhaps of our era sums it up. All of theology 
Jesus loves me. Paul said, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All and nothing. Do you know there's no, there's no word in the Greek or Hebrew for coincidence? There's no concept of a coincidence in the Bible. There's a reason for everything we go through and a season. It won't last. So Easter 2011 was the first time I went to church by myself. Wasn't the last time I went to church by myself. Went to church and went out to eat and did a lot of things by myself. I learned to be okay with me and God. I began to be at peace. The spring break of 2012, I was substitute teaching. I had friends who told me, you'll never be a pastor again because you have been through a divorce. At the end of a week of fasting and praying in a little retreat, a little upstairs of a garage, all I got from God, I got no answer. What do you want from me, God? What can I do with the rest of my life? I got nothing. All I said at the end of that week, all I said was thy will be done. So I went from hurting to broken, truly broken. It was the next Sunday I was in church alone again, by myself. I just happened to be sitting in front of a woman who just so happened to notice I didn't have a wedding ring on. And this woman just happened to be widowed. She was 45 when she became a widow. This woman just happened to say hello to me after the service that day, caught me completely off guard. And that woman just happened to have a teenage daughter who had a baby. Both of her kids were still in high school at that time. And that baby just happened to be about three years old when I went by the house and this lady was very friendly. I thought she was just a really friendly church lady. She said, come, you can come by anytime. And they were just my friend. And I sat on a porch swing looking up at the night sky, at the stars, and a little three-year-old girl sitting there on the porch swing with me. And I looked down at this little girl who her mother and grandmother would say, her grandmother would say, thought it was probably the most difficult, painful, worst day of her life when she found out she was gonna be a grandma under those circumstances, turned out to be the greatest blessing. And this little ray of sunshine, three years old, looks up at this broken guy and she says, I love you. I was, I was crushed. I, I, could, I had no words. This is her, I introduced her to the hot sign at Krispy Kreme. <laughs> this was a few years ago, but you can see all of our excitement just so happened that God knew I needed this little girl in my life. She'll be at the next service. She knew I needed, he knew I needed her. And I just so happened to marry her grandma. Just so happens now, Peyton calls me Poppy. It just so happens we live on a lake and I passed her a church that just so happens to be about two miles from where I prayed that prayer, on my face, I will be done. You see, we can always look back, can't we? At the time, we can't see it. We don't know what God's doing. 
But I know this, as sure as I'm standing here, that God was and is working in all things. And nothing, absolutely nothing, could ever separate you from his love. Father, thank you. Great promises of this chapter of your word. The Bible is really a, a story of your love. Showing how keeping the law doesn't work. It's a relationship with you through your son. We surrender our hearts today. Maybe there's someone listening to me right now that doesn't really know you. They know how to keep rules. They grew up in a church that told them they had to do more. But today, make it real that you're a God who works in all things and absolutely no one and nothing could ever separate us from your love. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for your patience with us your forbearance with us, your mercy toward us. We pray it all in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen.